Chapter 13. A few minutes later, Miss Spider had made the first bed. It was hanging from the ceiling, suspended by a rope of threads at either end, so that actually it looked more like a hammock than a bed. But it was a magnificent affair, and the stuff that it was made of shimmered like silk in the pale light. I do hope you'll find it comfortable, Miss Spider said to the old green grasshopper. I made it as soft and silky as I possibly could. I spun it with gossamer. That's a much better quality thread than the one I use for my own web. Thank you so much, my dear lady, the old green grasshopper said, climbing into the hammock. Ah, this is just what I needed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Then Miss Spider spun the next hammock, and the ladybug got in. After that, she spun a long one for the centipede and an even longer one for the earthworm. And how do you like your bed? She asked James when it came to his term. Hard or soft? I like it soft. Thank you very much, James answered. For goodness sake, stop staring around the room and get on with my boots, the centipede said. You and I are never going to get any sleep at this rate. And kindly line them up neatly in pairs as you take them off. Don't just throw them over your shoulder. James worked away frantically on the centipede's boots. Each one had laces that had to be untied and loosened before it could be pulled off. And to make matters worse, all the laces were tied up in the most complicated knots that had to be unpicked with fingernails. It was just awful. It took about two hours, and by the, by the time James had pulled off the last boot of all and had lined them up in a row on the floor, 21 pairs all together, the centipede was fast asleep. Wake up, centipede! Wake up, whispered James, giving him a gentle dig in the stomach. It's time for bed! Thank you, my dear child, the centipede said, opening his eyes. Then he got down off the sofa and ambled across the room and crawled into his hammock. James got into his own hammock, and oh, how soft and comfortable it was compared with the hard bare boards that his aunts had always made him sleep upon at home. Lights out, said the centipede drowsily. Nothing happened. Turn out the light, he called, raising his voice. James glanced around the room, wondering which of the others he might be talking to, but they were all asleep. The old green grasshopper was snoring loudly through his nose. The ladybug was making whistling noises as she breathed and the earthworm was coiled up like a spring at one end of his hammock, wheezing and blowing through his open mouth. As for Miss Spider, she had made a lovely web for herself across one corner of the room, and James could see her crouching right in the very center of it, mumbling softly in her dreams. I said, turn out the light!
shouted the centipede angrily. Are you talking to me? James asked him. Of course I'm not talking to you, you ass, the centipede answered. That crazy glowworm has gone to sleep with their lights on. For the first time since entering the room, James glanced up at the ceiling, and there he saw a most extraordinary sight. Something that looked like a gigantic fly without wings. It was at least three feet long, was standing upside down upon its six legs in the middle of the ceiling, and the tail end of this creature seemed to be literally on fire. A brilliant, greenish light, as bright as the brightest electric bulb, was shining out of its tail and lightening up the whole room. Is that a glowworm? asked James, staring at the light. It doesn't look like a worm of any sort to me. Of course it's a glowworm, the centipede answered. At least that's what she calls herself. And although actually you are quite right, she isn't really a worm at all. Glowworms are never worms. They are simply lady fireflies without wings. Wake up, you lazy beast. But the glowworm didn't stir. So the centipede reached out of his hammock and picked up one of his boots from the floor. Put out that wretched light, he shouted, hurling the boot up at the ceiling. The glowworm slowly opened one eye and stared at the centipede. There is no need to be rude, she said coldly, all in good time. Come on, come on, come on, shouted the centipede, or I'll put it out for you. Oh, hello, James, the glowworm said, looking down and giving James a little wave and a smile. I didn't see you come in. Welcome, my dear boy, welcome, and good night. Then click. And out went the light. James Henry Trotter lay there in the darkness with his eyes wide open, glistening to the strange, sleepy noises that the creature was making all around him, and wondering what on earth was going to happen to him in the morning. Already he was beginning to like his new friends very much. They were not nearly as terrible as they looked. In fact, they weren't really terrible at all. They seemed extremely kind and helpful in spite of all the shouting and arguing that went on between them. Good night, old green grasshopper. Good night, ladybug, he whispered. Good night, Miss Spider. But before he could go through them all, he himself had fallen asleep. We're off, someone was shouting. We're off at last. James woke up with a jump and looked about him. The creatures were all out of their hammocks and moving excitedly around the room. Suddenly, the floor gave a great heave as though an earthquake were taking place. Here we go, shouted the old green grasshopper, hopping up and down with excitement. Hold on tight. What's happening, cried James leaping out of his hammock. What's going on? The ladybug, who was obviously a kind and gentle creature, came over and stood beside him. In case you don't know it, 
she said, we are about to depart forever from the top of this ghastly hill that we've all been living on for so long. We are about to roll away inside this great, big, beautiful peach to a land of... of... Of to a land of of what? asked James. Never you mind, said the ladybug. But nothing could be worse than this desolate hilltop and those two repulsive ants of yours. Here, here, they all shouted. Here, here. You may not have noticed it, the ladybug went on, but the whole garden, even before it reaches the steep edge of the hill, happens to be on a steep slope. And therefore, the only thing that has been stopping this peach from rolling right away from the beginning is the thick stem attaching it to the tree. Break the stem and off we go. Watch it, cried Miss Spider, as the room gave another violent lurch. Here we go. Not quite. Not quite. At this moment, continued the ladybug, our centipede who has a pair of jaws as sharp as razors is up there on top of the peach, nibbling away at that stem. In fact, he must be nearly through it, as you can tell from the way we've lurched about. Would you like me to take you under my wings so that you won't fall over when we start rolling? That's very kind of you, said James, but I think I'll be all right. Just then... The centipede stuck his grinning face through a hole in the ceiling and shouted, I've done it! We're off! We're off! The others cried, We're off! The journey begins, shouted the centipede. And who knows where it will end, muttered the earthworm. If you have anything to do with it, it can only mean trouble. Nonsense, said the ladybug. We are now about to visit the most marvelous places and see the most wonderful things. Isn't that so, centipede? There is no knowing what we shall see, cried the centipede. We may see a creature with 49 heads who lives in the desolate snow, and whenever he catches a cold which he dreads, he has 49 noses to blow. We may see the venomous pink-spotted scrunch who can chew up a man with one bite. It likes to eat five of them roasted for lunch and 18 for its supper at night. We may see a dragon and nobody knows that we won't see a unicorn there. We may see a terrible monster with toes growing out of the tufts of his hair. We may see the sweet little bitty bright hen, so playful, so kind and well-bred. And such beautiful eggs, you just boil them there, and then they explode and they blow off your head. A new anonocerous, surely you'll see, and that enormous and norable gnat whose sting, when it stings you, goes in at the knee and comes out to the top of your hat. We may even get lost and be frozen by frost. We may die in an earthquake or tremor. Or nastier still, we may even be tossed on the horns of a furious dilemma. But who cares? 
Let us go from this horrible hill. Let us roll. Let us bowl. Let us plunge. Let's go rolling and bowling and spinning until we're away from old Spiker and Sponge. One second later, slowly, insidiously, almost gently, the great peach started to lean forward and steal into motion. The whole room began to tilt over and all the furniture went sliding across the floor and crashed against the far wall. So, did James and the ladybug and the old green grasshopper and Miss Spider and the earthworm, also the centipede who had just come slithering quickly down the wall? Outside in the garden at that very moment, Aunt Sponge and Aunt Spiker had just taken their places at the front gate, each with a bunch of tickets in her hand and the first stream of early morning sightseers was visible in the distance, climbing up the hill to view the beach. We shall make a fortune today, and Spiker was saying. Just look at all those people. I wonder what became of that horrid little boy of ours last night, Aunt Sponge said. He never did come back in, did he? He probably fell down in the dark and broke his leg, Aunt Spiker said. Or his neck, maybe, and Spudge said, hopefully. Just wait till I get my hands on him, and Spiker said, waving her cane. He'll never want to stay out all night again by the time I've finished with him. Good gracious me, what's that awful noise? Both women swung around to look. The noise, of course, had been caused by the giant peach crashing through the fence that surrounded it, and now, gathering speed every second, it came rolling across the garden toward the place where Aunt Sponge and Aunt Spiker were standing. They gaped. They screamed. They started to run. They panicked. They both got in each other's way. They began pushing and jostling, and each of them was thinking only about saving herself. Aunt Sponge, the fat one, tripped over a box that she'd brought along to keep the money in and fell flat on her face. Aunt Spiker immediately tripped over Aunt Sponge and came down on top of her. They both lay on the ground, fighting and clawing and yelling and struggling frantically to get up again. But before they could do this, the mighty peach was upon them. There was a crunch and then there was silence. The peach rolled on, and behind it, Aunt Sponge and Aunt Spiker lay, ironed out upon the grass as flat and thin and lifeless as a couple of paper dolls cut out from a picture book.